0: Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete
1: terms. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out of pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. Health Lock HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling wrong codes and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million to save, visit healthlock.com today.
2: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste,
3: or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning.
2: Shop now, in-store, or online.
4: Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's never been more important to diversify your financial portfolio.
5: Well, that's right. The S&P is down 20% from the last year, and this year looks even worse. Gold and
4: precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and stock market volatility. And Legacy Precious Metals is the company Ken and I trust.
5: Protect your retirement account by rolling it into a gold-backed IRA or have metals shipped directly to your door. Call our friends at Legacy
4: Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173.
5: Or visit buylegacygold.com. Welcome to the show. John is on vacation this week. I'm here with Deborah Mark. You do of course have a chance at money in about 15 minutes. We'll give you the keyword that you enter at the website kfiam640.com and you might win a $1,000. I don't know. What's the big story today? Yeah. <clears throat> Overwhelming all other news and they dumped it on a Friday was the US Supreme Court ruling concerning abortion. Uh, As you might have figured out by now, the Constitution doesn't guarantee the right to an abortion. So over the years, as abortion became something that had to be dealt with legally in the United States, these rulings end up in the courts. And of course, the landmark ruling was in 1973, Roe versus Wade. There was another ruling in 1992 called Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which reaffirmed the Roe ruling. And that ruling basically gave women... United States people, the right to have an abortion. And under these rulings, states can regulate, but they can't ban abortion before the point when a fetus can survive outside the womb, which is roughly 24 weeks. What brought this latest case to this U.S. Supreme Court, and we can thank Trump for that, is that they decided to take up a, uh, a, a case out of Mississippi, which was banning abortion after 15 weeks. So we're now going to talk to Eugene Volok, UCLA Law. He's a First Amendment specialist, but I'm sure he can weigh in on this. Uh, with a lot of questions about this. Welcome to the show, Eugene.
2: Um, great pleasure to be on.
5: Yeah. So uh, is this kind of, uh, did they, have you ever seen something that stood for nearly 50 years get overturned? Sure.
2: Sure. Uh that was the famous uh, Lochner
5: case, you may remember,
2: uh, you may have heard of it from 1906. I guess we don't actually remember it, but uh, which basically recognized there's a right to economic freedom in the Constitution that struck down certain kinds of uh, uh, maximum hour laws. And then for decades after the court struck down various other kinds of economic regulations, uh, um, uh, minimum certain minimum wage laws and the like. And then in the late 1930s, the Supreme Court struck that down. It was 30 years worth of precedent. And lot of precedent, and it reversed course. You know that's happened. Uh, likewise, of course, the famous, famously, the separate but equal case, uh, Plessy v. Ferguson, was struck down fifty-eight years after it was, um, uh, uh, after it was decided in Brown v. Board of Education. So yeah, the court sometimes reverses course, not not often, because. You know, just as a matter of running the court system, no, no judge wants every case to always be up for grabs, because then you'd have all of this litigation constantly challenging things. Uh, but yeah, uh, the Supreme Court makes a precedent. The Supreme Court can reverse a precedent. In
5: 1973, Roe versus Wade ruling. And as I mentioned at the outset here, there's no guarantee, obviously, in the Constitution for the right to have an abortion. So what was the basis of that ruling? What did they use to uh, permit this? Well,
2: so the Constitution talks about liberty. So the court said, well, this liberty includes a right of privacy, which is our right to, con- to, to make certain decisions about your, among other things, your reproductive life. And, you know, there had been some precedent for that. Um, so, for example, uh, a few years before, in 1965, the Supreme Court struck down uh, very unusual laws at the time banning uh, contraceptives. So a few states continued to ban contraceptives. Court struck that down saying you have a right to choose whether you're going to have a child or not. Um, likewise, before that, the Supreme Court struck down certain laws that mandated uh, sterilization of people under certain circumstances. And, of course, the court has also recognized the rights of parents to raise their children in various ways. That's also not in the Constitution, although there, at least, there's a long standing tradition of recognizing that right. The tradition has been of not recognizing abortion rights. So the court was... Like with the economic liberty case, it was talking about liberty generally and it was saying, yeah, you know, we as justices can recognize uh, new kinds of rights under this rubric of liberty and privacy writ large um, that, uh, 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 that ought to be protected. And, this, and now the court says, or at least five justices of court said, not, certainly not in this instance. Uh, uh, that this is something that should be left to the political process, state by state, generally speaking, uh, rather than being constitutionalized by the, by the U.S. Supreme Court.
5: Yeah, so abortion is not banned by this decision, but it's up to the states to determine how far this can go, right? Uh,
2: exactly. That uh, uh, there's no right to an abortion in the federal constitution of course states could recognize it in their own constitutions or in state statutes so California seems very likely to continue to protect a very broad range uh, um, uh, a range of abortion rights um, and uh, uh, other states uh, might impose pretty significant restrictions and some states may try to ban it outright except maybe even situations which involve threat to the life of the mother life of the woman let's say
5: Yeah. So was this surprising to you considering the makeup of the court? I know when Trump was appointing these justices and he got to name three of them, there were big concerns in D.C. by Democrats grilling them over their stance on abortion. A lot of times they didn't really give much of an answer, but uh, it doesn't seem like necessarily anybody saw this coming. I guess they just had to get the right case in front of them.
2: Well, no, I think people did see it coming. Um, of course, uh, ever since the 1980s, ever since a few years after, oh, I mean, uh, um, the uh, whenever there have been Republican presidents, uh, uh, one of the things that... Uh uh, uh... that opponents of abortion have hoped for is that they would appoint justices who would uh... uh who would uh, return the issue of abortion back to the states um... that didn't quite work out with some of the appointees like o'connor and kennedy and Souter, for example were republican appointees but they voted to preserve abortion rights uh... but other appointees such as just as scalia and thomas and then roberts and alito uh, and uh, um, uh, replacing Justice Scalia, Justice Gorsuch now, and uh, uh, Kavanaugh and Barrett, you know, they were appointed in part with the expectation that they would do that. Now, Chief Justice Roberts wasn't willing to go that far in this case. In this case, he would say, "Look, this—the law here, uh, which I believe allowed abortions up to up to around three months in, in, into the pregnancy—that um, law is." Uh, uh, is constitutional, but we don't have to ask what about a law that bans abortions from the moment of conception. But the remaining five, uh, Republican appointed justices did exactly what, you know, the, uh, major constituency of the Republican Party had expected them to do.
5: And now, apparently, in his opinion, Justice Thomas seems to have opened the door to the possibility. And you kind of mentioned these before uh, interpretations of the Constitution under the Fourteenth Amendment and your right to liberty, same-sex marriage, contraception—that maybe those ought to be revisited. But I understand the other justices who voted for this didn't necessarily go along with that.
2: Right. Uh, Justice Thomas wrote a separate opinion, but it was joined by, or it was signed by Justice Thomas. Justice Thomas has very thoughtful and worked out views of the Constitution, um, uh, but, you know, he hasn't generally been able to persuade all of his colleagues, uh, or pre- pretty much even any of his colleagues as-, as, to, uh, as-, as to many of them. So his view is indeed, look, if it isn't in the constitutional text, then it shouldn't be recognized uh, as a constitutional right. It should be left to the democratic process. Um, And he also is the justice on the court that probably cares the least about precedent. So he says, I don't care. If we got it wrong some years back, even got it wrong in a way I like, well, we should correct that error. Um, But I think most other justices, their view is, you know, precedent is important. We should generally adhere to precedent. It's just in certain situations, it's so egregiously wrong that it needs to be reversed. Yeah. Um, and I, I think as to contraceptive, I can't imagine any state actually even trying to ban contraceptives today. But if it did, I, I don't think the court would revisit that issue. Oh, and likewise, uh. with regard to same-sex marriage, of course, that was quite controversial on the court when it was decided. But right now, I mean, I think people have sort of reached a uh, um, uh, uh, reached, uh, kind of a... a, a uh, A peace, a truce uh, on that subject. It's not really big in the news in the way that abortion continues to be big, for obvious reasons. You know, I don't. I'm I'm not anti-abortion myself, but people who oppose abortion think it's murder. Or, or at the very least think it's the it's a wrongful killing of an innocent, uh, innocent child. It's unsurprising that that's the kind of thing that would continue to create controversy in a way that something like same-sex marriage does not anymore.
5: Yeah, I think you're right, because Justice Alito made a reference to the fact that the whole idea of fetus and life, this is quite different than some of the other things we just talked right. about. Uh, but by the way, I think there was a politician in Mississippi who is saying we're coming after contraception next. So uh, don't doubt well, that this could happen or attempts could happen. Right.
2: There are a lot of politicians in this country. Uh, yeah. um, uh, what, what one person says, even what one justice says, and a justice I much respect, like Justice Thomas, uh, um, uh, you know, it's, it's not really terribly telling of what's likely to
4: actually happen.
5: Yeah. And did we see some of this? Because uh, uh, the, the one purist I can remember is Justice Scalia. And I think that uh, Justice Thomas is a bit of a protege of Scalia. Scalia right. kind of had this purist right. interpretation of the Constitution. If it's not specifically there, you're not going to you not right. we're not going to give it to you. Right. All right.
2: right. Now, I'll give you an example. There was a parental rights case about 20 years ago, which had to do with whether um, whether a state could authorize grandparent visitation. Um, uh, and parents sued saying, no, that violates our rights as parents to, to choose whether to allow anybody, including our own parents, uh, access to the children. And the majority of the court said, uh, said yes, this statute violates, uh, violates parental rights. And Justice Scalia said, uh, said, no, no, I don't think that there really is a parental rights Clause in the Constitution and I think to the extent we've said otherwise that was a mistake and we certainly shouldn't extend it here and this I'm quite sure that uh, as a policy matter Justice Scalia was very happy about parental rights. I think he was a uh, a, um, big supporter of of long-standing American traditions of recognizing parental rights, but he said, you know, it's not in the Constitution. I won't follow it. But again, I think that's a pretty rare view uh, as to pretty well-settled precedents that are, just don't arouse the same kind of opposition that abortion uh, for understandable reasons. Again, whether you agree with them or not, but understandable reasons does. All
0: right,
5: Eugene Volokh, thank you very much for coming on the show. Appreciate it.
2: Always a great pleasure.
5: All right, from UCLA Law, uh, he's a First Amendment specialist, came on the show to talk to us about the decision overturning Roe versus Wade we got more coming up, including your chance at $1,000. Just got to stand by for the keyword to enter at the KFI website. John and Ken show on KFI. Everything's in place today. The moist line is coming along at 520 the first round. And we do, they're back. We do have the mob members. They'll be arriving soon to throw a hack in the dumpster uh, halfway through the 5 o'clock hour here on the John and Ken show. Well, it's all the world is talking about the U.S. Supreme Court decision to overturn the abortion decision from 1973 known as Roe versus Wade. I pointed this out before Gloria Allred was involved in that case. So <clears throat> it's been around a while on uh, the forefront. I saw a picture of her from like 1973. Uh, so what we're talking about is what we're talking about a lot when it comes to national politics, the red states versus the blue states. There are more red states than there are blue states, but there are more people living in the blue states than in the red states. So it's always going to be this ugly divide. There are uh, 26 states which would at least uh, like to restrict or perhaps ban abortion. It's estimated that it could affect 40 million women. And not long after this ruling, uh, we had one spring into action already today, Missouri. Missouri became the first state following the decision. The attorney general there filed paperwork effectively ending abortion in the state. So if you're interested in an abortion in that state, you'd either have to have it done illegally or travel to another state. Of course, politicians, particularly here in California, use this moment to rile up the masses. What the Democrats are hoping is that this does lead to a big turnout in November at the polls because if you follow all this, uh, the polls eventually lead to the votes and they wanna control Congress. And if they control the House and the Senate and they got Biden as president, maybe somebody on the Supreme Court dies or otherwise resigns and they can get through a nominee that can reverse these kinds of opinions. They hope this drives turnout. I remember after uh, Justice Scalia died, they were thinking because the Republicans controlling the Senate blocked any movement on uh, replacing Scalia right away until after the elections, and everyone was outraged, and there was crowds saying, oh, this is going to lead to a big turnout in November. People are worked up about this. They're blocking the process, and it, it didn't. So uh, I don't know that this is going to make a difference. In the end, people vote on what's affecting their daily, everyday lives. That's not abortion. All these worked up people in the streets, they're a minority. All right, as loud and as emotional as they are and worked up as they are, they're just a minority. Most people go about their lives and things that affect them include like stuff like inflation and gas prices. Crime, homelessness, these are the things affecting their everyday life. But the economy is always number one because we're all affected by that. Do I have a job? Am I going to get a raise? How much is this costing me? Can I make ends meet? And who's the better person to try to figure this out? That's all that really is going to matter in the majority. There will be people that vote on an issue like this and a decision like this. And sometimes in the primaries and other small elections, they can make a difference. But in November, and of course, it's a midterm election. The turnout will be much lower. So it's possible that there'll be an impact. The other thing that happened on a national level is that we did get a gun bill that was passed by both the United States Senate and the United States House of Representatives, It probably is going to be signed by Biden very soon. $13 billion, it's the spending in it, to toughen background checks for the youngest of the gun buyers, allegedly keep firearms from more domestic violence offenders, and help states put in place these red flag laws that makes it easier for them to take weapons away from people that are thought to be dangerous. It's going to fund local programs for school safety, mental health, violence prevention, After the shooting at Uvalde, there was a lot of screaming, do something. They shouted it at Biden. He yelled back, I'm trying. Do something, do something. Well, this is it. Uh, The way things are in Washington, D.C. now and the divide that exists, you're lucky to get anything passed because the Senate's kind of in a gridlock with 50 seats held by each party. So this is what you get. Is it worthless? Probably. Is it something? Yes. So does that end all the screaming? I don't know. Is it going to end the mass shootings at the schools? I doubt it. All right. And of course, many have already picked this bill apart to say what's been happening in some of the more recent mass shootings is not really covered by this bill. But, you know, they went and they did something. So... It all remains to be seen exactly how that plays out. All right, more coming up on the John and Ken show here on KFI. Uh, You know, I just wanted to mention this, and I heard heard it in Deborah Marks' news. Yeah, the other thing is, if you do get the turnout in November to affect and keep control, I guess, Democrats, the House of Representatives, and maybe somehow take the U.S. Senate, what they could do is codify Roe versus Wade. That's what Biden asked them to do today. We heard Newsom talking about that when this draft opinion came out a while back that you just make it state law, or in this case, federal law, that the women have a right to an abortion. So that's another answer. Another answer is to take an abortion pill. Uh, Some refer to it as a virtual abortion because you don't actually have to go in for a medical procedure. There's a pill you can take for up to 10 weeks after pregnancy to end it. Um, so there's a couple of pills you have to take because there's another pill that prevents cramping and bleeding uh, in the situation, so it's another solution for those who may live in a state although there are restrictions on the sale of some of these drugs in those states, but some other way to uh, effectively end the pregnancy without all this demonstrable emotion on the streets. All right, coming up after 3 o'clock, we have an important guest. One of the things that George Gascon has said as he tries to fight off the recall effort, recall uh, district, uh, recall George Gascon. He has said that he's got the science on his side, the research that says that the longer somebody spends in prison, the more likely they are to commit crime again. Well, that's been refuted in a report we'll talk about after three o'clock. It's a federal study about federal prisoners, but I don't see why it wouldn't apply in many other cases with criminals. We'll get into the details with our guest from the Criminal Justice Legal Foundation after 3 o'clock. Uh, all right, so here's a story I was just mentioning. We got Fox 11's always entertaining, although this is a serious story. Ed Lasko's report, apparently they had to evacuate the Recall Gascon offices yesterday. Let's listen.
3: It literally looked just like a white powder cloud that shot out of the envelope, and then it literally moved over to the right over all of our other mail that she was opening. These pictures from inside the recall gascone campaign office, the white powders. See it there? Spread all over the desk and the other mail. A closer look at that suspicious envelope shows not only is it packed with that threatening powder, but also swastika's and a threatening message to campaign volunteers. I went back in with gloves on, pulled the letter out, saw the swastika's all over it and basically telling us to mail our petitions to Adolf Hitler and Hale and with a a few choice profanity words. The campaign office and the entire high-rise building here on Olympic Boulevard all sealed off. LAPD and L.A. City fire rushing in even sending in a hazmat crew taking no chances with that white powder that may have contaminated other mail with valuable petition signatures. We were afraid that with the white powder going over all of our mail that they were going to have to confiscate that as evidence. That is the campaign to get the recall question of the LA County District Attorney George Gascone on the ballot right. is now down to its final 2 weeks facing a tight deadline to present its hundreds of thousands of signatures to the county for certification. We're in the 2 week final stretch here. So every hour uh, that off this is open and operating and counting and verifying signatures is critical. Um, and what they've done is they've not only disrupted that for the latter half of the day here, just the fact that somebody would take it this far is uh, really shameful and despicable. The recall campaign says that threatening white powder shows just how high the stakes have become in the effort to remove the controversial district attorney, George Gascon. It's a never ending revolving door of random things, but we're not stopping. So you're not at any way thinking about pulling a plug on this? Heck no. We are here. We are going to recall him. He will be gone now live the campaign manager saying his staff is doubling down, more committed than ever to get all the signatures, get the the buffer. They need extra signatures, get them certified and get this recall on the ballot in the fall. Again, that white powder looked to be threatening at first, not threatening. According to L.A. City Fire, they've run some tests on it. They realize now out saying it is nothing more than baking soda. The campaign office expected to be back with its volunteers first thing in the morning, counting again and certifying more signatures on the petitions.
5: All right, that's uh, Ed Laskos from uh, Fox 11. It's a three-room office in West L.A. That's where they are tearing open the envelopes. Uh, Of course, what they did was a mass mailing. Uh, They sent out the petitions to many people in L.A. County registered voters. So that's why they've been getting a pretty good return. I have to tell you, and I'm looking at the website, it is recalldageorgegascone.com. Petitions must be mailed by today or dropped off at one of their petition locations. And there's a link by june 30th which is next thursday because by july 6th which i believe is a wednesday they have to have all the signatures that they want to be counted and verified turned into the la county registrar of voters so there's a lot that they have to do before the signatures. don't hear the july 6th deadline and think oh i still got a couple of more weeks you don't and in fact if you do want to mail it in you ought to be doing it by today so if you're an la county registered voter Go to that website, and there's a little link there to print the petition at home, recalldageorgegascon.com. And while you're there, check out the links. It's a good website, including the one that's called Victims, and you can read about all the stories. We've mentioned this week that we have at least four murders on the hands of George Gascon, the two police officers in El Monte, an off-duty LAPD officer who was killed earlier this year, and then we have the homeless man at Pacoima who was killed by another person who benefited from the George Gascon policies. This is not exaggerated. This is not made up. And when you have over 90% of the deputy DAs in George Gascon's own office saying he's got to go, uh, don't, don't you believe this is real? Yet, you know, the remaining cheerleader for Gascon is the El Segundo Times. They sent the reporter, good old James Queeley, to that three-room office in West L.A., where he's describing what goes on there, and this is, of course, is the recall George Gascon offices. Um he does mention what we just played for you from Fox Eleven, but it's kind of like in the middle of the article and looks to be just a passing thing. I mean, you could always imagine that if There were people collecting signatures for a cause that the El Segundo Times really believed in. They would play up with the big headline, the fact that they got an envelope with powder in it and it could have been a very dangerous substance and this is like a domestic terrorist attack. But in this case, it's just, eh, it's waved off. So the article basically goes through how many signatures they need to collect and then it gets to the point where they talk to a researcher at UC Berkeley who says this is going to be tough because even though they've collected enough signatures to affect a recall, they've got to have quite a cushion. He says on average, up to 30% of signatures gathered in a recall do fail a verification test, meaning they need at least 700,000 signatures in hand by July 6th. You know, last we talked to them, they had about 570,000 roughly. So you can see they need that cushion of at least 150,000 signatures. They did mail out 3.6 million petitions uh, not too long back. And there's also a little criticism of that, too, because kind of understandable, this was before the June 6th primary, June 7th primary. And some people may have just discarded it, thinking it was more campaign mail. Other people may have signed it, sent it in, but they've already signed the petition somewhere else along the line to recall Gascon. Now, the recall people mentioned in the story here say that they do go through those to make sure they don't already have the signature from that person that responded to the mail-in but oh yeah here's the part late Thursday Los Angeles police responded to the recall offices after they received an envelope containing what was described as a white powder the substance was rendered safe no one was injured so it's like two sentences so it's it's kind of what I call a soft backhanded slap because the second half of the article pretty much is interviewing Gascon and he's trying to claim in here that he had already um, softened or adjusted his directives and policies. It has nothing to do with the recall. It's just a learning process kind of along the way. As we see what happens with our policies, we can adjust course, but uh, I don't think so. And we know from a couple of the cases, he came right out and announced some changes after the uproar, uh, particularly particularly concerning the Tubbs case. James Tubbs is the pervert that molested a 10-year-old girl years ago up in the Antelope Valley. And um, he wasn't caught until years later. And eventually, George Gascon, is DA, by the time his case comes in front of the L.A. County District Attorney's Office. By then, he's already gone on to commit crimes in several other places around the West Coast, including, uh, including a murder charge up in Kern County. But... That wasn't known by Gascon at the time. Gascon was prosecuting him. But because he was uh, transgender, he claimed his name is now Hannah Tubbs, is James Tubbs. Um, And because he was 17 at the time, he attacked a little girl, he got soft treatment. So what Gascon said after that was, oh, well, we're going to leave it up to our prosecutors. If they want to go to adult court, they can do that. There's not going to be any hard and fast rule that everybody underage has to go through juvenile court. See, we adjusted. We adjusted. You adjusted to the blowback. All right, so after 3 o'clock, we're going to have a pretty good guest on because, as I mentioned, Gascon likes to say that science is on his side, that criminals who get long prison sentences are actually more likely... To commit more offenses when they're released than those who get short sentences that doesn't make common sense at least from the perspective that if we keep them away longer they're not committing any crimes no matter what they do when they get out Uh, but we'll talk about new research after the news at three o'clock john and ken show here on kfi am 640.
1: us and chinese scientists have implanted human cells into monkey embryos
5: An international team of scientists working on
2: a project say that they have discovered strong evidence for the existence of a new force
6: of nature.
0: The patient accusing a doctor of some bad bedside behavior and it was all caught on camera. Stamps!
6: Doctors started grouping cases together about a brain illness.
0: The discovery of a potentially new and
6: unknown syndrome is scary. Scientists are now trying to unlock the secrets of this strange syndrome.
4: Researchers say they found the skull of what they believe is a new species of humans.
0: Science!
4: It involves an 18-year-old baby-faced kid who's accused of masquerading as a doctor, treating patients out of his own clinic. The mystery disease is devastating.
3: We just want to know what it is. They've tested for dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. They even did antibody testing, historical antibody testing.
0: Science!
3: As we
4: come on the air this evening, the nation has now reached that grim new milestone. The outbreak
3: of a mystery virus
4: that now has the World Health Organization on edge. And now, an update from the John and Ken Health and Science Desk. Oh, you betcha. Here's John and Ken.
5: Yeah, well, well, it's Ken. KFI AM 640, we're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Again, coming up after 3 o'clock new evidence to refute George Gascon, the LA County District Attorney who likes to tell every reporter he can find, science is on my side. Research shows that the longer you sentence somebody to prison when they come out, they're more likely to commit crimes again than people that get shorter sentences, which is BS. You can't make a blanket statement like that. But there is research we're going to talk about that shows, of course, the opposite that those who get longer sentences do commit less crimes when they're eventually released versus those who get short sentences. And it makes common sense. You get a short sentence, you're like, there's hardly any punishment for this, right? Thanks to measures like Prop 47. That's why we have a big homeless and drug problem. Pretty simple. Eight years of that. All right, so we'll get into it with a researcher from the Criminal Justice Legal Foundation after the news at three o'clock. And you'll find out all the details behind the study. Well, we're at the health and science desk, Deborah Mark, and I did this story because I thought of you.
0: Ooh, what is it?
5: You seem to be, uh, you seem to care about your skin.
0: Oh, yes. That's an understatement.
5: And for a while, you had shiny face. I did. If you had a treatment done, right? Remember some time yes, back?
0: Yes, 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 yes.
5: And I remember seeing you in the hallway. I, I mean, it looked nice, but it was like shiny face. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, it, I was glowing. I'd like to say it was glowing, not really shiny face, but you know.
5: You liked the procedure then, didn't you?
0: Well, I liked it the way my skin looked.
5: Yeah, I know. Did that last? Or how does that... uh...
0: Uh, No, my face is not quite as shiny as it used to be. But (laughs) I still think I look youthful. I haven't had a facelift yet.
5: Well, do you know on your face and really all over your body, there are pores, right? Skin pores. Yes. You're aware of what those are?
0: Yes, I am.
5: All right. I hope uh, you're not eating. I'm not. Because we're going to give you an update on what's living in there. Oh, God. Mites.
0: What? I don't have mites in my pores.
5: Everybody does. Not me. Not only that, (laughs) this part's great. They not only live in your pores, but when you're sleeping at night, they come out and mate on your face.
0: Oh, God. Ken, really?
5: Yes, I'm talking about, uh, this is not new research. That's already happened. But the new research is that over the years, they've become so simplified that they may actually become one with people. That's how they're evolving. The mites are passed on during birth and are carried by almost every human being. Numbers peak in adults as the pores grow bigger. So I, I, I imagine if you care about your skin, you want to make sure you, you you clean your pores, I guess is what they're trying to say. And
0: Yes. If you go and have a facial, you you get the pores cleaned out, which I you haven't do, done huh? in a long time, but now I'm going to do that ASAP.
5: Oh, you, you want to hear about this. They measure about 0.3 millimeters long. So they're pretty microscopic. They're found in the hair follicles on the face and uh, the nipples, including the eyelashes. And they eat something called sebum, which is naturally released by the cells in your pores. So that's what they feed off of. They become active at night and they move between your follicles looking to mate with each other. Isn't this really creepy science fiction? It's real, though. This is one of the most
0: disgusting stories I've ever heard.
5: We talked about the mites years ago, and John and I were like, especially because we're thinking about while you sleep, they're moving around. uh... Anyway, according to this new research, their isolated existence and resulting inbreeding, because they're just finding each other on your body, is causing them to shed unnecessary genes and cells And they might transition from what's referred to as an external parasite to an internal symbiont. That's basically what they mean. They kind of meld with human beings. Um, We found that these mites have a different arrangement of body part genes to other similar species due to them adapting to a sheltered life living inside your pores. And it results in changes to their DNA, resulting in some unusual body features and behaviors. Uh, due to their isolated existence with no exposure to external threats, no competition to infest hosts, and no encounters with other mites with different genes, genetic reduction has caused them to become extremely simple organisms oh, with tiny legs.
0: Oh, that's- God.
5: Well, that's how they move. They do have tiny legs.
0: So if you pop a zit, that's 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 coming out as well? The I mites? would imagine.
5: Yeah, the, the mites are probably oh, in right. Oh, God. Oh. Uh, no. yeah. Uh, And wow, this part is really hard to believe. Um, Mites do have um, penises and anuses. What? Yeah, they do. Males have a penis that protrudes upward from the front of their body, meaning they have to position themselves underneath the female when mating. And they copulate as they both cling onto a human hair.
0: (laughs) In our pores?
5: Yeah, on your body, on your pores. Uh, it could be in your eyelashes. I don't know. Or your body hair.
0: You said nipples?
5: Yeah, they they can also <laughs> hang out there. What yeah. the hell? Um, yeah. One of their genes has inverted, giving them a particular arrangement of mouth appendages that uh, are especially protruding for gathering foods. As I mentioned, they live off something you secrete from your the cells in your pores. That's what they live off of. Isn't it just amazing, the complexity of not just the human body, but what's living on the body? Mites have many more cells at a young age compared to their adult stage. And this counters the previous assumption that parasitic animals reduced their cell numbers early in development. And originally they thought that mites did not have an anus. And therefore would accumulate all their feces through their lifetime before releasing it when they die. Which some blame for people's skin inflammation. Isn't that disgusting? Yes. However, this new study says they do indeed have anuses. And they've been unfairly blamed for many people's skin condition. So there you go. That's a that's a mark against the mites that necessarily isn't true. Oh, wow. So it's important, it says in here, to keep your pores in your face unplugged, unclogged. And you're right. You should probably go for a pore cleaning, Deborah. Oh, yeah. If you,
0: I, I need to go do if that. If you're really
5: freaked out about uh, the mating on your face. Well, yeah.
0: Who wouldn't be freaked out?
5: Yeah, it's... What are you going to do?
0: Aren't you going to go run out and get a facial now?
5: Are you going to sit there at night scratching your face thinking, oh, there they are. They're on my face yeah, right
0: I, now. I, I don't know. I'm, I just
5: but, interrupted some coitus.
0: I am so disgusted. You're you constantly go back to taunting me here. with the animal stories and forget? Oh, God, this is awful. I like well, the animal stories better. Are you dead animals? Well, really? It's, it's not that I like dead animals, but this is unbelievably disgusting. I want to throw up right now.
5: All right, we'll be at the recall DA George Gascon desk when we come back for new research that refutes what he's been saying now for a long time, even before he got elected, that uh, inmates who serve longer prison sentences are actually more likely to recommit. That's why he's trying to reduce prison sentences or not send people to prison or jail at all. It's coming up next on the John and Ken show here on KFI. Deborah Mark has a news update now.
4: Hey, Ken, did you know that gold is the only currency that's held its value since the dawn
5: of money? Well, I did. Thanks to our friends at Legacy Precious Metals, the most trusted name in gold investing.
4: Investing in gold protects you against inflation and gives you a hedge against stock market volatility.
5: Don't leave your retirement to chance. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or download your free investor's guide now at BuyLegacyGold.com.
6: That's
4: BuyLegacyGold.com.